0: Personally, I love Easter, and I want to tell you two of the main reasons why I love it so much in a message I'm calling Immortal Jellyfish and the Spider in Your Closet, and that'll make sense to you as we move along, okay? So here are the two big reasons why I love Easter, and I think everybody should. First of all, Easter reignites wonder in our life. Wonder is this sense of surprise and awe and astonishment that comes over you in certain situations or experiences. And there are so many things in our life that should fill us with a sense of wonder. I made a list in case you couldn't think of any. First one I thought of in my own life is Half Dome. The moment you drive into Yosemite and you park and you look at Half Dome in Yosemite National Park, your jaw just drops and you just stare at it and you're filled with wonder because it's so big and so beautiful. It's actually kind of frightening. Its beauty is frightening. And then you go on to think, where's the other half? Where'd the other half of that thing go? Because it looked like somebody sliced it with a knife, okay? The second thing is babies and there's a lot of them in this group today, okay? And then some of you are pregnant. Babies are amazing. We should go up to every mother that just gave birth and just look at them and say, are you kidding me? You just grew a human inside of you. And it survived for nine months in this like gelatinous goo, and now it can breathe air. I mean, that is just awe-inspiring and should fill us with wonder. The third thing is airplane rides. I don't travel that much. Some of you that travel a lot, though, you get sick of riding airplanes. Not me. It's like a carnival ride for me. I love riding in airplanes. And think about it, we can fly from Eugene to like Boston, which I am later this month, and we can make that journey across the country in what, six hours or so? A journey that used to take months, maybe even years, and most of the people that were with you on the journey died along the way, and now you can make it in six hours while you eat a snack? You should just be yelling we the whole time and be filled with wonder neutron stars. I've been reading about those lately. Neutron stars are so dense, the material in a neutron star, if you took a teaspoonful of it, a teaspoon like a bite of cereal, it would weigh more than Mount Everest. Does that not fill you with wonder? That just blows my mind. Now this, immortal jellyfish. I'm not even going to tell you about them. You Google them today you're welcome. It'll blow you away. They're amazing creatures. And lastly, in my life, what brings a lot of sense of wonder for me is when I read poetry, whether that's lyrics to a song or an actual poem. And I was reading from Rumi. I have a book of Rumi's poetry. He's this ancient mystic poet. And he he wrote this. Let's put it up on the board. He wrote, each moment contains a 100 messages from God. I just had to let that soak in because it's so true and it filled me with wonder. You know what else filled me with wonder? This amazing, wise, often quoted mystic poet also said this. Let's put up the next quote. Either give me warm wine or leave me alone. Okay, so that kind of filled me with wonder too that this amazing spiritual leader could say something like that. So the list goes on and on and on, but it's remarkable when you think about it that we're here, that we exist, and we're surrounded by amazing things, whether those are seen or unseen, but unfortunately, our familiarity with our lives dulls our senses. It's like we wake up every day and walk sightless amongst the miracles that are all around us. That's so sad and so true. That's why I often wish, there's all these superhero movies coming out, and I'm quite frankly, getting tired of them. But the one I liked the least was Wonder Woman. I don't know. It's not a sexist thing. I just... Ugh. But at any rate, but I was watching the movie Wonder Woman and I was thinking, you know, I wish she was a different kind of superhero. Instead of cruising around on a invisible plane, which is totally nerdy, and with this golden lasso of truth, I wish... She really earned her name. I wish she could come up to people that are living their lives in cynicism and that have lost their childlike sense of wonder at how great life is on this planet. I wish she could somehow open their eyes to the miracles and astonishing and amazing and great things around them. Then she truly would be Wonder Woman. She would earn her name. We don't have a superhero like that, but we've got something better. We've got Easter, We've got this holy day that's being celebrated by millions around the planet today. And Easter is so great because it opens our eyes. It reignites wonder. And here's how. First of all, Easter reignites wonder because it gets us to focus on the miraculous. The message of Easter, in case you don't know it, is this. That Jesus Christ, the very Son of God came to earth, he pitched his tent among us, he came and lived amongst us, and then he died. And he wasn't just mostly dead, like in the movie Princess Bride, I aged myself a little there, but remember that? No, he wasn't just mostly dead, he was dead dead. He was dead for three days dead, he was dead, oh my gosh, it doesn't smell very good in there, dead, okay? That's what happened, and then he burst forth from the grave. That is not natural. You might have heard the story, and that doesn't blow you away. It should. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's miraculous. I officiate at quite a few funerals. It's such an honor to be invited into people's pain like that. I love to do it. And not one of them has the person burst forth out of the casket. If you, I'm a little disappointed, actually, but if you were ever at a funeral and the person whose funeral it is rose out of the urn or the casket or the grave, you wouldn't just dismiss it as, oh, no big deal, look at that guy, he's alive again, okay? No, your mind would be blown, your clothes would be soiled too, by the way, and your heart would be filled with wonder. There are four accounts of the story of Easter in the Bible, One by each, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They wrote these books of the account of the life of Jesus. And they each tell the story of Jesus rising from the dead, but with a little twist. One of them mentions there was an earthquake that took place. The other three leave that little detail out of it. Can you believe that? Like, there was an earthquake, but that's not important. Okay? And then John says that two angels were sitting inside the empty tomb. Mark doesn't say that. He says there was a man in a white robe sitting next to the entrance to the tomb. And then Matthew says there was this amazing angelic being sitting on top of the huge boulder that the angel had rolled away from the tomb. And by the way, if I was a studly, boulder-moving angel, that's what I'd do. I'd sit on top of the boulder I moved, like flexing, okay? (laughs) So that's what was going on in that book. And then Mark says... Well, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, these two Marys, showed up at the tomb. Another book says, no, it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. They don't even name her, just, oh, I forgot her name, the other Mary. Okay, And then John says, no, it was just Mary Magdalene, and she was so freaked out by seeing the risen Jesus for the first time, she didn't even recognize him, she thought he was the gardener. Probably because he was dirty because, you know, being buried does that to a person, all right? When you read through all four of these accounts, it's tempting to think, why can't they get their story straight? What's going on here? Are their stories all different because they're making this whole thing up? No, no. No. Their stories are all different because they're so excited they can't get the details straight. Has that ever happened to you? You're so excited. My wife, I'll tell her a story I'm so excited about and then she'll go, well, what color shirt was the guy wearing? "Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I forget those kind of details. That's what was happening here. They were freaked out because miracles are freaky. So they couldn't get the details straight. You know, some people dismiss the whole notion of Easter at this point because they go, ah, it's just too far-fetched. A dead dude rose from the grave. Come on, what are you smoking? That can't even be true. But we have to realize something. We live in a mysterious and sometimes downright spooky world. Sometimes things happen that we can't explain and we have no categories for. I quoted Sir Arthur Eddington. He's a famous physicist in a sermon a while ago. I'm going to re-quote him today. He was asked to explain, hey, what's going on in the universe out there? He was asked to explain that to a group of people. And this is what this brilliant man said. I'll put the quote up on there. He said, something unknown is doing we don't know what. (laughs) Don't you love that? This is a brilliant man. And he's admitting, hey, there's a lot of stuff we just can't explain, no categories for. Please, because of this. Do not reduce your life down to only what you can understand and prove and explain. Where's the fun in that? There has always been and always will be more going on in this life than what we can see or what we can prove, But you still know that it's real. And speaking of reduction too, don't only not reduce your own life down, don't try to reduce God down. Don't try to reduce him down to Fit into a box of your own understanding. Here, God, I want to shrink you down to my size, even smaller. In fact, I want you to stay in the category of my own understanding in those parameters because when you do that, when I've got you all figured out and under control, it makes me feel so much safer. So you stay right there in that box. Oh, please don't do that. One of my favorite authors said this when we tried to do that. He said, The moment God is figured out with nice, neat lines and definitions, We are no longer dealing with God. That is so true. God is too vast. He hates boxes. Don't try to box him in. He's too vast to fit in a box. And honestly, he's too vast to be even fully understood and described he can do stuff that is way beyond what we think is possible and easter reignites wonder in us because it reminds us to make room for the miraculous secondly easter ignites wonder because it tells us a story that is just so good it tells us a story that this loving compassionate amazing miraculous compelling individual jesus died and now he is alive he is in the now he's not some distant hazy figure that you can only locate on the text of these ancient books no he is a God who is with us he is laughing with us crying with us screaming alongside of us he's a present tense Jesus every single one of us is experiencing the risen Jesus in countless ways every single day of our lives we're just unaware of it we're just blind to that fact let me explain that you see Jesus is called the light of the world so every time light bursts through the darkness that hangs the spiritual darkness and the emotional darkness that hangs over the planet there is Jesus. Every time an act of kindness is done, every time a little child laughs, every time a person stands up against social injustice, every time there is goodness and love and light there is Jesus. The whole world is drenched in the divine and the secret is to become aware of that truth. So Jesus is with us, which is why actually one of his names is Emmanuel, and we sing that name during a lot of Christmas songs, which means God with us, or in modern-day lingo, I'm right here. It's like Jesus wanted to name himself something that reminded us of the fact that he's here with us, so he named himself I'm right here, okay, for some of us that couldn't get it right off the bat, all right? I cannot prove the reality of Jesus to you. I can't. I can't even explain how he rose from the dead. I'm not smart enough. All I know is it's something everyone can experience because I experience it all the time. Every person will have what I call holy moments, these moments when you can't explain it, but on like a deep cellular level, you know it's true you know he's alive, and you know he's right there with you. There's an author named Jennifer Grant. She's brilliant, and she's really irreverent, which I appreciate in an author, okay? And she was writing this book, and she explained one of these, she described one of these holy moments that she had in her own life, and it was during the worst week of her life. She was alone, and she was walking up to visit her sister in the cancer ward at the highest hospital just hours before, just like two days, I think it was, before her sister actually died. And she's walking up there completely alone, and she's devastated. And as she's about to enter the room, someone grabbed her hand. And so she looks down to see who was holding her hand, and there was nobody there. And she says these words that describe this instant. She said, I couldn't see it. But there was the sensation, comforting and strong. I knew God was with me. And you know what? There are people sitting next to you in this room that have had moments like that, countless moments like that. And in moments like these, and you'll have them, you'll just know, you'll just know you'll know that you are part of something bigger than yourself. And you're experiencing the really good and totally miraculous truth of Easter that Jesus is not only alive, he's actually with us. All right, that's the first reason that I love Easter so much. It ignites wonder. And the second reason is this, it defeats fear. I really admire the author Elizabeth Gilbert of Eat, Pray, Love um, fame. She wrote that book, but that's not my favorite book of hers. My favorite book is Big Magic, and she wrote it for authors and pastors and artists, and it's just brilliant. And in it, she has this intense moment of vulnerability where she admits to all of her readers, I was born terrified. That's what she says. I was born terrified. I'm scared of everything all the time. Her first earliest childhood memory, she can remember on a family vacation, her parents took her to the beach and she saw the waves for the first time and said, no way, none of that. That is way too scary. And then she saw people playing in the waves and that was too much for her. She wanted to ask her parents for permission. Can I run down the beach, tell everybody to get out of the water to go and play safely up on their blanket or read a book? Is that too much to ask? Because they're scaring me even watching them. I mean, that's her life. Most of us can relate. I know I can. There's, there's times when there's so many things in my life that are so frightening to me, I just want to shut my eyes until it's all over like a kid riding a roller coaster for the first time, which incidentally is exactly what I did when I rode a roller coaster for the first time, okay? Now, for most of us, fear starts with normal things like fear of the dark or fear of the boogeyman or or fear of spiders or tofu for some of us or clowns, stuff like that, okay? But then we realize our own mortality and something happens. The fear of death steps in and takes first chair, the chief fear amongst all of our fears, and it usually stays there our whole life. Death is like that spider that's in the back of your closet at home right now, growing bigger by feasting on the carcasses of dead flies and bugs, growing literally bigger by the second. That's what the fear of death is like. One time Jesus was talking about this, he was actually gathered with his closest friends and he was talking to them about his impending death on the cross. And then right after he describes his death on the cross, he said these words to him. This is out of the book of John. This is amazing. Right after, remember, he just told him, I'm dying here soon. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Are you kidding me? What? How could he talk about death, a subject that freaks almost everybody out, that's their chief fear, and then in the next breath he says, oh, oh, but don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. In fact, here's some shalom, here's some peace, a deep sense of well-being I'm going to give to you. That's as crazy as going in to tuck in your kids goodnight and saying to them, hey, by the way, Junior, there's a huge spider in your closet. It's getting bigger by the second. It's eating something right now. Okay, but don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. In fact, sleep in peace, okay? Nighty-night, I'll see you in the morning, all right? That seems crazy. It seems crazy and impossible to talk about peace in the face of death, but Easter assures us it's not crazy, and I'm going to explain using three super cool verses from the Bible. A lot of verses in the Bible are cool, but these are in the super cool department, okay? The first is out of Romans chapter 8. Let's put that up there. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of his spirit who lives in you. Easter teaches us that Jesus rose from the dead, that the grave couldn't hold him, that death couldn't defeat him. He actually defeated death. He killed the spider, so to speak. And now with his spirit, dwelling in us the same power and that word power is a greek word that means dunamis it's where we get our word dynamite so the same power that that lifted jesus out of the grave that same dynamic intense explosive power is also living in you and will lift you out of the grave also like we just sang in the song he is resurrecting us is that not just the best thing you heard all day for those of you over 40 that fact alone keeps me from having major midlife crisis all the time all right the second one first corinthians chapter 15 verse 22 let's read this for as in adam all die so in christ all will be made alive and adam was known as the first human but it represents more than that that word adam there means all of humankind so it's saying this that death is the gift the present that we all brought to the party Okay, when we botched up the original divine creative order of things, death was the result. I don't have time to explain that, but just trust me, death was the result. But Jesus brought a better gift to the party. He brought life. And here's where it gets personal. Notice in that sentence, it says the word all twice. Twice. When the Bible says something once, you should pay attention to it. When it says something twice in the same sentence, it should really get your attention. And what it's saying right there is, look, this life that we experience in Christ that will echo on throughout eternity is not just for the perfect, shiny, happy people that do everything right, because there are no perfect, shiny, happy people that do everything right, okay? It's for all people. I was um, watching a video of one of my favorite songs right now and it's by a guy called Rag and Bone Man and he sings some popular songs. I'm Only Human is one of them but that's not my favorite song. I love love him first of all because he's this ginormous mountain of a man all tatted up. He's just my kind of people, okay? And he sings this song called As You Are. And in the song, it's a video of this party he's having with his family and friends. And it's an eclectic, unusual group of people. I mean, all shapes and sizes and ages and colors and kinds. And during one point in the song, as you're watching this party unfold with his family and friends, he sings this. I know we've all got our problems, and it's a blessing that we've made it here so far. If you lay here in these arms tonight, I promise, I promise to take you as you are. I thought, oh, that's the message of this verse we just read. Jesus looks at all people and says, I promise, I promise this life I have is for everybody. I'm inviting everybody to the party, the outcast, the the shunned, the forgotten, the lonely, the broken, the weird, which pretty much describes our church on a weekly basis. You're all invited to the party. And the last verse I want to share with you, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four. This one is amazing. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And then catch the next verse. This is the Apostle Paul kind of trash-talking death. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? He's basically saying, na-na-na-na-na-na, you're nothing, death, okay? This just blows the roof off the place to me, this verse does, because it's really saying that death doesn't bat last. It doesn't get the final word. God gets the final word, and death is really nothing to fear because it's as harmless as a bee without a stinger. It's like I could reach into a honey nest, a bee's nest, and say, ha you can't sting me. I'm taking your honey. You can lick me, but that's not going to stop me. You can't sting me. That's what death has become to us, a defeated foe. So yeah, when you grasp the reality of God's victory over this fear of death, which is one of our chief fears, then that statement, don't be afraid. My peace I live, I leave with you, suddenly doesn't sound as crazy. One last little riff about fear, then I'll turn you loose to go get your Easter brunches and stuff. Fear is the most boring thing about you. It always tells you no. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, no, it's too scary. Oh, I want to move here. Oh, no, don't do this. It's too scary. Oh, I want to date this person. Ooh, too scary. No, 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 okay? And it also tells you when you face things that frighten you, the only rational response is to hide and try to bunker down and keep yourself safe at all costs. But that safety we think hiding will bring us is an illusion, especially when it comes to the fear of death because a high percentage of us in this room are going to die. Hopefully not today. Happy Easter, okay? But um, uh, one out of one of us in this room are actually going to die. And I was thinking about my impending death getting ready for this message. You know what helps me? And this is just how my mind works. This is a little side note. I'm actually sidetracking. I thought about this. I thought, yes, I'm going to die. But so are all the people that annoy me. And that helped a little bit. Okay, so just keep that thought. Happy Easter again, part two, all right? But back to my message, all right? So the old saying goes, why tiptoe safely through life only to arrive safely at death? When we are no longer paralyzed by fear, the fear of death, that's when we're free to fully live. And Brandy's message last week, if you listened to it online, she did a brilliant job of describing that. So Easter is not just about Jesus rising up out of the grave. It's about us rising up out of the graves that we dig for ourselves, these holes we dig to try to keep us self, uh, safe. Maybe, just maybe, our biggest fear in life actually isn't death. Maybe our biggest fear is life. Because to learn, to grow, to expand, to evolve, to take risks, to love with your whole heart, that's some scary stuff, isn't it? But Easter assures us we don't have to fear death or life because Jesus is with us in both. His peace is available in both. I got some tattoos this year, and I'm going to keep getting more because I love them. And I love the whole process. But this one girl beat me to a tattoo. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to copy her, so I'm not going to get it, but I wish I could. It's from an author. I've never read her, Anais Nin. If you've read her books, I don't know. Um, But here's her tattoo. I wanted to put it up on the screen. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Is that not just the coolest tattoo to have on your body? That is, oh, I might copy her anyway. I'm not sure. But that's one of the messages of Easter. Easter says, come out of the grave you've dug for yourself, the grave that you thought would keep you safe. Come out of that and be free to truly live, to truly be your best version of yourself. Come out of that grave and blossom. Oh, so great. I'm going to pray for us right now, then I'll dismiss you, and I'm actually going to play a video of that song by Rag and Bone, man. That'll be like your dismissal song, so you can enjoy that if you want to. Please take note of our information counter and all the stuff that's going on, and please, after I pray, too, be nice to each other in the parking lot, because it would really spoil Easter if we flipped each other off out there, okay? So here we go.